Hey guys, welcome to episode two of Crouch's Couch. We've got some hot topics today. You got Madison here, Jack and CSG, and Yosh with his all new segment, Yosh's Corner. We're gonna tackle some Champions League drama between Chelsea and Barca. Look at who is truly better, La Liga or the British Premier League. Have our producer Yosh's Corner. Chat about Mo Salah, the Egyptian pharaoh. Who is truly the best in ballet? And then finish up the 91st minute. To start out, Chelsea-Barca, Camp Nou, Barca domination, moving on in the Champs League, Jack, Barca fan, how good was this for you? I don't know if I could be happier right now, Madison. Unbelievable. Barcelona are rolling going into the quarters uh honestly i think they're probably the favorite right now to win it all and uh i'm if you look at the game uh chelsea really kind of sealed their fate in the first leg uh not capitalizing their chances and forced and giving up really an easy goal to messi and then in the second leg uh messi scored early and the rest kind of uh fell their way um I think it really comes down to a miss or coaching too. Ernesto Valverde has switched Barca this year to a full four two. And in doing so he puts Messi and Suarez up top and has the luxury of having a player as dynamic as Usman Dembele on the wing, who has really developed an incredible chemistry with Messi. They switch a lot. They give some pretty crazy looks, and Chelsea's D just really couldn't handle it. Marcus Alonso looked lost. It's true. I, I still do think Chelsea deserved a penalty or two for what they were doing in the box, but that's a that's a story for them. Do you the, think that would have uh, would would that would changed it? They had, one, they had a penalty shout with, I believe, Alonso at the top of the box getting fouled from behind when right before halftime when they were down 2-0, which I think would have changed the game. Another goal in there, and they're winning it. CSG, what are you feeling about this game? Yeah, I mean, PK shout, it was 6-1, to one, half a dozen to the other. I mean, tough to call either way, being an unbiased fan. But I really think Arsenal's new style of play, like Jack mentioned, that we've seen a more uh, gritty Barcelona side than we've seen in the past. Usually they're kind of tiki-taka, the beautiful game, played around, get a million passes before they score a goal. Now it's kind of slightly more direct and they're also more robust defensively not letting in goals and also when you're Chelsea you spend two weeks game planning for one of the greatest teams ever assembled and then you concede inside of three minutes that's tough to bounce back from that's just not getting out on the first foot of the front foot it breaks the entire game plan I mean as a coach what are you going to do when you're especially when you're away and your tactic is to sit back and counter how are you going to do that when right, you're already you down much- throw the whole game plan away I mean inside three minutes that's that's tough to come back from and even as a side that is as good as defending as Chelsea is and likes to hit teams on the counter it's just almost near impossible to peg back Barcelona at Camp Nou I agree and I, I think the, go ahead Jack I was gonna say I think that the unspoken hero of that game too who really uh shined once Chelsea realized they had to try and take the game to Barca was uh, Samuel Umtiti. He snuffed out danger all game long. And really, Chelsea would have promising looks and then 
it would get up to him and attack over. He's dynamite. One of the speediest center backs out there. Great left foot on him. Good player. Big, too. Big dude. I can't help but think that Courtois let Chelsea down a little bit. Two, two megs from Messi. The second one, I, am, I, I tend to think that a player of Messi's caliber meant to do it. But the first one on his right foot from the side of the six, that's a tough one. you got to get that knee down. And when you're playing against Barcelona, you're going to have to come up with some special saves. And as, as Courtois being a special keeper, I think he let Chelsea down a little bit. Yeah, he'll be having nightmares about that game for years to come. I, I mean, game made once by Messi, like, understandable, best player in the world. Argument for one of the best players of all time. But a second time, brutal. Moving on from Chelsea Barcelona a little bit, but still sticking on the Champs League topic. You you guys know where I stand on this, but looking at Messi as potentially the best player of all time, is Ronaldo the king of the Champions League? CSG, what do you think? I mean, when you look at his goal scored compared to Messi, he's got 17 more, and he was the first man to reach 100 goals in the Champs League. And it appears to be with time... Big Ron just keeps getting better with age because, as you remember last year down the quarterfinals and into the semis and the finals, it felt like he had a brace or a hat trick every other time you turned around for a Champs League game. And that's just something that's truly remarkable out of a guy who a lot of people has been saying is aging and is losing a little bit of form. But I think that's a, that's the comes down to him as a player and also Zidane as a manager utilizing his strengths of how he is as a good finisher and also his dominance in the air, playing him more through the middle as opposed to an out-and-out linger where he previously came on the scene for Manchester United. I agree, and the Champions League, is it's it differs from the league in that it's not a marathon. You have to play a game every – or play two games every couple months, and these are small little sprints where you field your best team and you field them in the best spots. Playing Ronaldo up the middle in the Champions League has been the most fruitful move that – Zidane has done which is and it's it's led to champs leagues it's led to wins it's led to them doing extremely well even in years like this where Barcelona is by far and away going to win the league I assume at least Jack are they already are they already out of it are they, is it already over oh oh it's definitely over there Atletico's in second place and they lost this weekend Barca now have an 11 point lead uh-huh. over second place um the, yes. the league is so right I, I think I think Real Madrid is going to put all their eggs in the Champions League basket, especially with Zidane having his job somehow on the line after doing so well and doing so much. For the club. It's unbelievable! It's insane. That his job is insane. Being a manager in soccer these days in Europe is the the most difficult job of the world. But I'm I side with that Ronaldo is the king of the Champions League. He wins games. He wins Champions Leagues. That's what he does. Jack, I have a feeling that you'll disagree. See, I'm conflicted because even though, as is probably evident, I am a full-hearted partisan for uh, Barca, Ronaldo is such an impressive player. You can't, you can't not respect the dude. I mean, the amount of goals he's scored in the Champions League are unbelievable. Uh, up until this weekend, he was the only player with over 100 goals scored. Um and I think really that this debate will only be settled once both of them retire. But looking at the stats right now, 
Ronaldo has played 148 games and has scored 117 goals at an average of 0.79 goals a game. Unbelievable. Messi, though, hit 100 this weekend, uh, or last week, in 123 games, which gives him the edge by two one-hundredths of a uh, goal per game. So, I mean, it's neck and neck. It really could come down to one of them has one hot day before they retire. It's true, and it's... I mean, we are so spoiled to be even debating who's better on any sort of level with these two players. Moving on to a topic slightly related, because Champions League, we're pitting countries against each other, pitting leagues against each other. Who is the best league in the world? And I think I think right now we're we're ruling out Germany, we're ruling out France, and one league that is up and coming, not or a resurging, I should say, is the Italian league, but. I think we can all agree they're not quite there yet to be up there with La Liga and the British Premier League, who are battling it out, it seems, for best league in Europe. Jack, La Liga, British Premier League, what do you feel? Who's better and why? So I've long held this belief much to the uh, chagrin of all of my friends that La Liga is the better league than the EPL. And I think that the stats really back it up. Um, If you look in recent years, anytime there have been fixtures between uh, La Liga teams and British teams, La Liga's come out on top. Um, Even this past week, uh, Manchester United fell to Sevilla, Chelsea fell to Barca. Um, and if you look at uh, 538 does global soccer rankings where they uh, rank teams based off their offensive and defensive efficiency and create a ranking. And in the top 50 teams, Spain or La Liga ha- currently has 13 and the EPL has six. And then just for note, Germany has 10, Italy has 8, and France has 4. Now, that's more of a measure of individual team strength than league strength. But if you look at uh, what really matters, which is titles, in the Europa League since the turn of the century, Spain has 8 Europa League championships, and England has 3. In the Champs League since the turn of the century spain has nine champions league uh trophies and england has three i just think that when it really comes down to it spain wins when it counts and even though the epl might be more competitive week to week which might make it more entertaining spain has the better teams those seem like some irrefutable numbers csg what are your thoughts on this yeah i mean when you look at it head-to-head in the champions league and europa league Spain definitely has the edge over uh, the Premier League. However, when you just flip on some soccer and you want to be entertained, you immediately go to the English Premier League. All 20 teams, so much parity, absolutely thrilling league. 
And there's a reason NBC Sports pays, what, three or four billion dollars over the next couple of years to retain the rights to watch English teams duke it out for 90 minutes just for some magic from a star player to sink a free kick in the top corner of the 91st minute. I mean, you really can't get anything better than that. And also, based on purely entertainment, when you go back to 2012 and Man City on the final day stole the title out of the grips of Manchester United, stuff like that just gives you chills and you'll remember where you were on moments like that for the rest of your life. And I'm a Prem guy through and through, but unfortunately it pains me to say that over the past couple of years and decades in my lifetime, Spain has definitely reigned supreme in Europe. They have reigned supreme in Europe, and that's a that's just a fact, cold hard fact. One one argument that I've stuck by though is that a big reason why the Prem hasn't reigned supreme in Europe and has had such a hard time getting through these grueling group stages and these back to back two leg battles in the elimination rounds, and that reason is that they are pushed week in and week out, to play tough, tough English soccer games against tough, tough competition. Even if you're playing a Stoke City on a rainy night and you're Manchester City, you've got a battle ahead of you. You're going to get tired out. Your guys are going to get some knocks. And you've got a mental mental battle in front of you. I feel, I feel as though Barca and up until this year, Real, even though they've had some trouble, and for – um, I haven't watched them as much, but Atletico, they, they sort of skate by the lower teams, and I see 6-0, 7-0. Scores that you would not see in the Prem ever until this year when City has just taken the world by storm. And I, I personally think they're the best team in Europe right now. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. But I, I still think that they're, it's tough to compare on a, on a European level because of the difficulty of league day in, day out. Aren't City playing Spanish soccer right now? I mean, it depends. Like Spanish style I, soccer? I think they're playing, very, they're playing pep style soccer. And, Which is Spanish style soccer. You know, not, not necessarily. They provide that defensive edge that you, is required in the Premier League to succeed, though. If you don't defend well and have that defensive rigor, you are toast. So, yeah, offensively going forward... It's that free-flowing type of soccer that it's appealing to the eye, but when they lose the ball, it's that pep rule of you got six seconds to win it back, and they just go all out, and then if they don't win it under six seconds, then they sit back and drop into their formation and defend as a cohesive unit. And Fabian Dell slides back into left back, baby. Oh, center mids playing left back gets me going. <laughs> well, Pep only has center mids on his team. But uh, I, I do want to push you on the – style front though because um well i agree that la liga at outside the top three isn't competitive they might be competitive with the rest of europe but not competitive in the league and that does add to the epl i do think that outside of the top echelon of teams in leagues if you were to judge leagues based off their um kind of middle to bottom the the performance of an average game you might flip on. Um, I prefer uh, German soccer to the EPL. German soccer, it's the wild. Fans, the fans are the There's, wildest by far. The, 
fans are nuts and like there's just like goal sprees and they play really kind of like dynamic free flowing. I just think like match to match is the most entertaining. Also to push on that uh the idea that the EPLs which you would want to watch when you flip on the TV does that have something to do with the fact that the La Liga is not readily available for English audiences and also the EPL is in English with English commentators. I feel like that has a lot to do with this popularity in the US and NBC uh, buying the rights. But Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty fair point about it being in English and it's also already available. However, if you, outside of El Clasico, if you toss on any two teams in the Premier League and you're going to tell me they're going to run around like absolute madmen for 90 minutes, I'm going to watch that over anything else you put in front of my face for the rest of my life. Just because of the pure entertainment factor. A, a zero zero a zero zero ugly draw between like Stoke and West Brom. Oh, give me Stoke West Brom zero oh. zero with six red cards and Shakiri tossing yeah. it on the crossbar three times it. from free kicks. No as problem. As opposed to watching some dude in Spain strap on his boots and then walk around for 85 minutes, bang in seven goals and say, okay, thanks, thumbs up for playing next game and just literally strut around the field. That doesn't really get me going. Mm. Mm. I think that that's a bit facetious towards Spanish soccer, but that's something else. I think that Spanish soccer is a little more technical and fun and free-flowing than that. Not even kind of. Yeah, they also just don't defend half the time. Well... Well, as as usual on Crouch's Couch, we agree to disagree, and we'll move on. Now time for our brand new segment, hoping to keep this moving. If our producer can shell us out the hot storylines from his, his league of choice for the week. Welcome to Yosha's Corner. Yosh, what do you have for us this week? Well, first of all, hello, guys. This is my first appearance on the podcast, so it's a pleasure to be heard for once. <laughs> I'm, I'm muted. I'm, lo- I'm locked in the closet for most, of, for most of the recordings. Not allowed to talk. My microphone's always on mute. Um, Josh has always been trapped in the closet. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to talk about the National League, the fifth, fifth tier of English soccer. Uh, for those that don't know, started in 1979 as the Alliance Premier League, and it's and it's progressed into this beautiful, beautiful league, where currently at the top of the table is Macclesfield Town with 72 points. Oh yeah, Sutton if United. I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, Macclesfield was the worst team in FIFA in I believe FIFA 13. Yes, and we started manager mode, a joint manager mode with them. Yes. Part of the part of the inspiration of you know creating the segment around the National League was was formed because of Macclesfield Town. Anyway, Sutton Sutton United is uh, close behind with sixty nine points. Nice, nice. Borhamwood, uh, Borhamwood, sixty five <laughs> points. You know they're 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 right behind. They're right in that uh that promotion picture right there. So uh, you know what an interesting game coming up here, and I want to highlight is uh, Aldershot Town versus Borhamwood. 
Aldershot Town is 64 points, and there's three teams tied with 64 points uh, for fourth place. Dover Athletic is also at 63 points right, right in there. A win over Boreham Wood would catapult them into third place in the table and you know, kind of put them within striking distance of Sutton United and Macclesfield Town if one of those teams were to falter. Macclesfield Town, who you know, controls their own destiny, as stupid as this, uh, that is to say, they draw their last game and they play Gateshead on their next, next matchup. Now, Josh, I've, I've, I'm, I, we all know the, the differing in styles between Macclesfield Town and Gateshead. What role is that going to play in this upcoming game? You know, expect just a lot of, you know, equal, you know, sharing of the ball with Macclesfield Town. They don't have any prolific goal scorers. Scott Wilson is their top scorer at 12 goals, and that's not a... Wow, you know the top close. scorer. Yeah, and the, it's funny, and the BBC... That was literally my question. <laughs> and the, BB, <laughs> the BBC Sport uh, website that tracks all this, it does not uh, take into, into account shots on target. It just says everyone's shots on target are 100%. Epic. Which I think is hilarious. Maybe they're, so, all, uh, apparently, maybe they're all just dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> they're very accurate, but they're very slow shots. Uh, yes. Sometimes the goalies just let them go through. But yeah. <laughs> they're the most Salahs of the fifth league. Four shots, four goals. Now, Josh, uh, who, who was the leading scorer again? Well, Scott Wilson is Macclesfield's leading scorer, but the leading scorer of the league is Danny L. Rowe from AFC Feld. 22 goals. Wow. Zero assists. I don't even think they track assists. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> I really that. hope it's just zero assists and he's just banging in goals and nothing else. So it is the race for the golden boot of the former Alliance League uh, tight? No, Danny Daniel Rowe. He's got a, he's got quite the commanding lead. Andy Cook, he's uh, he's got seventeen goals, and that's you know it's pretty good. But Daniel Rowe, he's been such a such a dynamic scorer for foul this year. Uh, you you really can't say enough. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of kept them afloat in the in the standings and and the table. They're eighth in the table, and they really they really have no business being there. But but Daniel Rowe, he's been he's been a stalwart for them. <laughs> He's put the team on his back, as they say. Yes, yes, the proverbial back. <laughs> All right, well, thank, thank you, Yosh. This has been Yosh's Corner from our excellent producer covering only the finest of leagues in the fifth league, English soccer. Thank you, Yosh. Thrilling stuff. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. All right, moving on. Let's cover the hottest dude in the Premier League right now. Mo Salah in, Euro- in Europe. In Europe. Mo Salah, the Egyptian king, the Egyptian pharaoh, just decimated Watford this weekend. CSG, we talked about him last week. We talked about him edging out the golden boot. Is he a lock now? I think he's got to be a lock now, especially with Harry Kane taking a little time on the sideline with that reoccurring ankle injury, which might give the uh, three Lions a little cause for concern for World Cup play. But I think, Maddie, you and I agreed upon last week that it was our boy Bobby Firmino who was pulling the strings Bobby. and was the, uh, was the maestro kind of running the show. But when you drop four goals and an assist against the powerhouse that is Watford in the Premier League, I mean, that'll turn some heads. I agree. That's, it, was, it was a sh- shocking performance. He, he lit it up. I, I don't want to say it was, a, it was a turning point, but he's pushing – let me take a look at the table right now. He's pushing them into a very comfortable spot. 63 points. Two over Tottenham. Tottenham with a game in hand, though, so Tottenham could pass them. But Chelsea, 
Chelsea is seven points behind Liverpool with a game in hand. So rocketing them to a near comfortable spot for a um, Champions League finish for the, the end of this year. Amazing goals. Jack, am I wrong to say they were slightly Messi-like goals? Uh, you would not be wrong. And I think that Messi, Messi-like gets thrown around way too much. Every country has the ex-Messi. Wes Houlihan is apparently the Irish Messi. And don't get me wrong, I love Wes, but doesn't really compare. You're supposedly an Iranian Messi, but we can't watch his games because of politics. But let me just read the uh, this CNN headline that ha- describes Mo Salah in the European Golden Boot Race. Uh, it is titled, The Eighth Wonder of the World. And it proceeds to show a picture of the uh, one of the Liverpool grandstands replaced with the Great Pyramid of Giza. Incredible. Stunning. The dude has become an icon already. Uh, he's taken the league by storm. And those goals, he was putting defenders on skates. He was sliding by him. He was. He got, he got four of them. Four of them. One. He, had four he shots also had the. And four goals. He had four shots. 100%. Wow. He also had the one goal that it looked almost identical to Messi's, Messi's beat of Boateng in the oh, Champions totally. League, where he cut him up. Cut back down line, and then the little chip over Neuer, although Salah had a right-footed near-post finish. Yeah, but, I mean, complete with defenders on skates falling over. Um, the, the dude's incredible. And he's, got, he's just got the most lovable little face. Look at his little smile when he scores. What a guy. I'm really excited for this uh, Portugal-Egypt friendly this weekend. We're going to get two of the top three scorers in Europe going head-to-head probably dragging the rest of their teams along with them. Should be fun. Should be a fun matchup. Sal's Sal's the best. And now we'll talk about who is the best Dembele. We've got three Dembele's on the docket today. We have Mr. Usman Dembele of Barcelona, Mr. Musa Dembele of Spurs, and the second Musa Dembele of Celtic. Now, personally, I haven't seen the Celtic Musa Dembele play in a while. You're not a Brendan Rodgers fan? Oh, I am not a Brendan Rodgers fan. Not in the slightest. Ever since what he did at Liverpool disgusts me. I haven't watched a ton of Usman Dembele, especially with his injury recently. I watched him at Dortmund. I haven't seen him at Barca much. I know he's speedy. I know he's relatively strong for his size, and he's got feet like a wizard. But I'm 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 going full Musa Dembele on Spurs. I mean I I can't think of a more powerful midfielder than this guy, both in running, in strength, and keeping the ball. No, he's not the most creative going forward. Yes, he's got maybe the hottest head in the Premier League besides Dele Alley. But he'll get in there and he'll cause some ruckus for you in the midfield, and I I love that. So quick scouting report on Usman since. Uh, one would have to be paying close attention to Barcelona to see him this year with all the time he's missed. Um, definitely not as powerful or as much of a physical force on the field as Musa, the Spurs Musa. Um, but 
the kid's unbelievably dynamic. He's quick on the ball. He's not the uh, he's not the Neymar replacement. I think that some were hoping at Barcelona. He's a totally different type of player. He's incredibly creative. Uh, he thinks assist first, and him and Messi are both so fast that when you stack them both on the right side, like Barcelona have been doing, it overwhelms any defender that's on that side. It, I mean, I my votes for Usman. I think he's more dynamic, more technical, um, and I think he's also yo- really young and is only going to get better as he develops his chemistry with Messi more. Yeah, I've only seen the Barcelona Dembele play a handful of times, and each time his pace is frightening. He's got a decent shot, and I mean, just any time you stick him on the field, you're just he just wants to go at players one v one, get to the edge line, and then get crossed in, also get shots on net. But I feel like, like you said, he is young, and I don't know. There's not that much uh, film on him yet for him to be I guess, solidified as the best Dembele yet. I still got to give it to my guy, Moose on Spurs, watching him play. He's just a pleasure on the eye. So silky, so smooth. Every time he gets on the ball, I feel like something good's going to happen and Spurs are going to get forward and at least entertain us. Moose Love it. Just going to say, one still in the Champions League. (laughs) All on him, right? (laughs) Oh, he scored and created the first goal. He did. That game. He did. Oh, he was involved. He was there. He was on the field. He was in the city. He, I, he was. He had the hockey assist. <laughs> All right, we've covered some excellent topics today. Now moving on to our final segment, the wrap-up, the 91st minute. Let's keep the responses quick. Let's scoot through them fast. Biggest Champs League upset that you could see possibly happening in this next round, CSG. I mean, I'd probably say Liverpool, but that's loosely an upset with all the press Liverpool's getting, so I'd probably go my guys, Juventus. I would, I would say it's, a, I'd say it's an upset. Yeah. Ooh, Juve. Juve over Real, I like it. Jack? Unfortunately, uh, I would say Liverpool too, but they've already beat City, so it wouldn't be an upset. Um, I have to say Roma. They've been in great form recently. and Whoa! They... Uh, They've won their last four. They beat Napoli, who look incredibly dynamic. And I hope it doesn't happen. I think Barca are better, but I would be on upset alert if I was at Camp Nou right now. Uh-huh. I'm going with Sevilla. They looked dynamite against United. And although Bayern is rolling like a freight train, this could easily be a 10-0 two-leg Bayern win or maybe a 3-2 edge by Sevilla. Who knows? Just a slight touch on that. Uh, Sevilla has currently a negative goal differential. Yes. Unbelievable. (laughs) Next question. Best hair in the Prem. Jack. Uh, David Silva. Ooh. Interesting. uh, Shaved head. He had some ratty hair, shaved it off. I didn't even know who he was the first three (laughs) games. I was trying to figure out why David Silva wasn't playing. I was really confused. I thought he was hurt. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he reinvented himself for a new uh, city. He did. CSG. I mean, I got to go with my guys with the froze. Tom Huddleston, Benoit Suicato, and of course, my favorite player of the world, Marijuana Fellaini. <laughs> oh, just, Marijuana. The, just the worst thing you can do in the 85th minute. 
Just a red card penalty waiting to happen. One time. I gotta go. Or an incredible <laughs> header goal. I gotta go with Tom Davis of Everton. He went from his terrible blonde Lord Farquaad look to a decent man bun. It's not good, but it's much better than Lord Farquaad. You can't get much worse than that. Also, side note, um, do you guys all remember Breck Shea? He had a little stint on Stoke City. Yeah, dude. Um, that kind of mohawk deal with long on the top and then really short on the sides. There's a bartender at a local Premier League bar that I attend frequently to watch Premier League matches on Saturday and Sunday mornings, and he looks identical to the bartender. Is it Breck Shea? Potentially. The debate's still out because he always <laughs> wears sunglasses when he serves, so you can't really get a profile on that well. <laughs> Interesting. He's hiding himself in Cincinnati. <laughs> the Prem needs an El Shirawi. It does. Maybe it just needs El Shirawi. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right. What team would El Shirawi fit best on? Stoke. Just so much sauce, so little substance. <laughs> Classic Stoke. <laughs> All right, next question. Most annoying storyline? Transfer, player drama, manager, whatever. CSG, what are you feeling? I know he's touched about this last week but it's got to be Arsene Wenger I mean every other day it's is he in is he out I don't know maybe he's loyal he's not like who really knows and kind of just hearing that and watching Arsenal put in lackluster performances week in and week out that really don't feel like they care or genuinely want to be at Arsenal Football Club it's tough for me to sit back and listen to that type of um, manager talk when that's your output on the field. Makes sense. Jack? Uh, similar vein. Uh, we also talked about this last year. It has to be freaking Josie. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, my God. Listening to him this week, try and justify losing to Sevilla was mm-hmm. so frustrating. It He's clearly trying to engineer his exit out of Old Trafford, and he's trying to just soil the whole place on his way out. While his rants were incredibly entertaining – uh, Matic is apparently an island of personality, which is also a subtle dig at Pogba because he wasn't mentioned and alluded to as not being up to snuff. But it's just, I'm sick of it. The dude, the dude talks himself up as the second coming. He thinks he's the best manager ever to play the game and or to coach the game. And then... When he loses, he can't face the music. He blames his own players. He makes everything about himself. It yeah, sucks. he's the worst. <laughs> for me, yeah, for me, it's got to be the Alexis Sanchez drama. As he's on the way out of Arsenal, everyone talks about him being a, just doing it for the cameras and having no substance. And then he gets to United and says, "Oh, I'm not playing my best football." And then this past this past week says. Oh, the other players on Chile had to convince me to be part of the friendlies. I didn't think I could do it. Grow up and just be a be a soccer player in the Premier League now. Come on, man. That surprises me out of him because he's always like a dude who you'd have to yank off the pitch when training was over. I know, right? And he's such a hardworking player who doesn't seem like a diva, but from the off, hmm, doesn't from add off up. Reporting doesn't make sense. Last question: You're building a team. Who do you pick as your striker? Jack. Uh, well, um, pure striker. Pure striker. You're starting your team. So There's not, not blank slots not everywhere Messi else. Or Ronaldo? Pure striker. I mean, most of is real hot right now, but it's got to be Robert Lewandowski. The dude is everything you want in a target man up 
front. He can do everything. He's a force in the air. He can place the ball, shoot from distance. He's still unbelievable. CSG. I mean, there's just a plethora to choose from, so I think I'm going to pull one out of the archives and go with my guy, Carlos Tevez. His work right on the field covers every blade of grass and comes up with bangers when you need them. China, baby. He's in China, yeah. I love it. Is he on Oscar's team? I don't know. For mine, I got to go with. I'm going, I'm grabbing back at the past as well. He's not playing out there anymore, but he'll live forever, even though I hate the team. Didier Drogba. The guy was just a force. Oh, we could go into the past? Oh, I've, I've gone in the past. <laughs> Amazing, powerful forward, hilarious guy. Love it. I'd like to revise my pick to Nicholas and Melka. <laughs> wow, you're going with him. He had some, he had some no, racist stuff kidding. at the end of his whole deal. <laughs> He's a racist. He also blew up the French team in South Africa. Yes. Not ideal. Also, just did uh, some quick Googling on Carlos Tevez's salary in China. And in the year 2016, he made 32 million pounds. And uh, based on my vast knowledge of FX rates, uh, it translates to roughly $45 million in one single year. Oh, my God. That is unbelievable to kick a ball around in China. You wonder why Oscar left the EPL at, like, 25 to go play. Yeah. That'd be hard to say no to if you were in a top player. Thanks for listening again this week, guys. This has been Crouch's Couch. We've got some we've got some links for all y'all out there. Our SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash Crouch's Couch. We have a Patreon to donate to the podcast, patreon.com slash Crouch's Couch. No apostrophe on any of these. Email at Crouch's Couch Podcast at gmail.com. Throw your questions, comments, concerns, gripes. If you submit them, we'll talk about them on our next podcast. And you'll soon be able to find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. So thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate all the support. And we'll see you next time. Cheers.